Welcome to Spark.Grow, a series of conversations on topics that are critical to companies and people that want to grow, scale, and maintain their performance. Spark.Grow is brought to you by Ann Arbor Spark and hosted by Dave Haviland, founder of Fimation based in Ann Arbor. This conversation was recorded in the podcast studios of the Ann Arbor District Library. Now we'll turn it over to Dave Haviland for this conversation. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Spark.Grow podcast. Um, today, we're going to be talking to Rishi Narayan of Underground Printing. Welcome, Rishi. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Sorry I'm running a little late. <laughs> Tell me it was Ann Arbor traffic. Uh, I, I would never speak bad about the traffic in Ann Arbor. Nice. You know that. Nice. <laughs> um, so let's start out by just kind of talking about the, the arc of your story so far. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I've been an Ann Arbor resident, uh, since 1999, I came here for college, uh, went to the, I'm from the Lansing area, Okemos. Okay. My dad is a professor at state. He was a chemical engineer. So I came here to be a chemical engineer. Mm. Uh, as an aside, I, I was like, oh, I can't, I don't want to be in my dad's department. Little did I know two years later, I should have definitely taken any advantages I could have gotten. <laughs> That was the naivete. I was like, oh, I don't want to have advantage. Oh, I, I definitely could have used the help. But um, so I came to U of M via chemical engineer and uh, uh, along the way was rerouted. But, you know, primarily it was, uh, you know, being bitten by the entrepreneurial bug, mm. uh, sit, sitting in Thermo 2, I think it was, and realizing like, man, this is not what I thought I signed up uh -huh. for. And, you know, it actually, it actually leads back to, uh, growing up and I was, uh, in high school, I worked in my dad's lab and I really thought what he did was really cool. It's like, oh, this chemical engineering thing's mm. pretty cool. I got to college and it was not the exact same thing. And I realized, uh, later on that my dad is an entrepreneur, you know, he'd license his technologies and, and wow. things he built or developed back to him, back to companies. And that's what we were, that's what I was like experiencing mm -hmm. and thought was really cool. So, you know, I learned pretty early on that I didn't want to be a prototypical engineer, but at that time, you know, not that it was eons ago, but it was 20 plus years ago. You know, I, I like to say so I was pre Shark Tank, yeah, pre Facebook, yeah. pre the social network yeah. movie, pre all the iterations of Jobs and Gates and Waz and all those movies that really brought e entrepreneurship into the um into the social mm -hmm. uh, pop culture world, right? Which really kind of led it to be accepted. Mm -hmm. um, you know, y if you told people you were gonna be an entrepreneur when I was in school, that just basically meant like you couldn't get a real job, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, not that that's not exactly dissimilar now, but you know, it is, it was definitely, it's definitely what it meant then. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And um, through some chance encounters you know with some prior companies and uh a tow truck driver who who gave me a ride after my ford probe gt turbo broke down mm. we stumbled onto t-shirts mm. figured this is something that we could do uh custom custom t-shirts and and uh we were we were born from there yeah yeah, yeah. so that was about my that was 2001 i was a sophomore living in west quad and uh not not like stone's throw from where we're at right now. Were you consciously looking for an idea at that point? Like, had you, um, were you self-aware enough to know I'm an entrepreneur now and I want to do this? Or? Yeah. So the story ended up going wet. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like that clear. What happened was, was my partner, Ryan Gregg, um, who uh, is still my partner and co-founder today. Wow. 
Um, we both are from Okemos. We both came to Michigan. We were mm. both engineers. Mm. Uh, Ryan's pretty handy, and he built a loft for his dorm room. Now, I can tell you that, and you can look at me with some recognition, but if I were to say that to the students I yeah. teach now, they don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> but back in the day, if you wanted to lift your beds up off this floor so you had more room, you had to have a loft, like well, a wooden frame built for you. Yeah. It was not part of the furniture scheme as it is now. And Ryan and his roommate, we didn't live in the same dorms, Ryan and his roommate built a loft and then they got asked to build another and another. Mm. And, you know, he came to me, he's like, hey, I think we're going to do the, this loft thing. You want to, mm. you want to sell with us? And I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds fun. So that's what we did. We, you know, we ran around during, you know, move in week and we sold lofts and then we did it another year, sophomore year. And we loved it. That's where I was really bitten by the bug. Yeah. But for, you know, two budding entrepreneurs, uh, the loft game is tough because it's a one week a year, yeah. you know, business. <laughs> and if you really were like passionate about doing it more, you had to find something else. Mm -hmm. So we, at that point, we consciously were looking for something mm -hmm. else to do. We didn't exactly know. Uh, that was pre-apps and Google, I mean, truly pre-Google, pre-Facebook. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're a college entrepreneur at that time, you had to sell something. Mm -hmm. You're either selling a service mm -hmm. or you're selling a product. And uh, that's how we stumbled into custom apparel. So uh, tell us about the business you're so, at now. So uh, business, uh, Underground Printing, we're a uh, national custom apparel and promotional products company. Mm. Um, our niche, what makes us unique is we have physical locations throughout the country, started here in Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. Um, we have uh, three store locations in Ann Arbor and our headquarters. We actually just recently moved to um, to uh, Ipsy Township right mm -hmm. across from Eagle Crest, but um, still, you know, Washtenaw County area. And uh, and then we've expanded throughout the Big Ten and Midwest and Midwest adjacent, mm -hmm. we call it. Uh, and that's really our focal point. Um, we're a... Uh, destination business with retail footprint mm -hmm. and that is part of part of who we are and what we do um, uh, we're not in only college towns but there's always a college tie-in we're in a lot of university towns that's that's our tie-in and to some degree the midwest and university towns are synonymous like that's what that's mm -hmm. what we're known for you know we're known for the big 10 whereas the coasts are they have colleges too but they're known for other things mm -hmm. you know we're this like that's what we're in football country you know to some degree right we're in quintessential college towns like ann arbor madison bloomington you know like these are well known amongst not only not in the country but also in the world so is there some part of your business model that um that college towns are baked into? Yes. You, okay. Yes, absolutely. It wasn't, it didn't always start out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, but we, uh, you know, there's some, there's some math and science to it. It's a mm -hmm. uh, population density, you know, that is, uh, uh, equivalent to a city without the costs and, you know, yeah. the traffic of a city. Right. So it's like you get the density that's already has an affiliation to uh, community and spirit mm. and the things that make apparel and t-shirts, t-shirts, mm -hmm. right? So that's why we like college towns. We've gone through iterations where it's like, oh, no, we got to do more than that. We got to be more than that, you know? Uh, but, but you know, we've grown up a little bit and now it's, uh, no, no, we, we got to hone in on that. So that, that's what we do. Was there a time in the development of the business where you became conscious that those things were important to the business model. And before that, you weren't really, you know, you were just yeah. 
Yeah. No, we. Um, I will transparently tell you, we just we we swung from the hip a lot. Growing, you know, starting out, mm-hmm. and you know, we we say we were, you know, we trusted our gut. And we were right more than we were wrong. And in hindsight and retrospect, we went back and we we've done obviously a lot of analysis and put the put the data and the metrics onto it and and learned why we were right mm-hmm. more than we were wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our favorite thing to, to say, you know, when we were starting out is when we'd open up in a new place, you know, like market research was where is Jimmy John's and s- open up as close to the Jimmy John's as possible. <laughs> and hilariously, it's like not that far off. Right. Like they did all the work. Right. Uh, we just followed them. Right. Yeah. So, um, then Jimmy John's expanded into like strip mall, uh, like all yeah. over the place. But at that time, Jimmy John's was like very much a co- quintessential college kind of yeah. fast service type of sub mm. thing that was open super late. So, mm. um, you know, it, again, it wasn't there wasn't the science behind it, mm-hmm. um, you know. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not I'm not I wouldn't say I'm proud of it, but I acknowledge it. Right? It wasn't like it wasn't learned. It was learned through experience, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then going back and figuring out what went right and what went wrong. Mm-hmm. So you know. Um, maybe if we had started out in a different path with a different, like uh, with a more thought out strategy in terms of like, this is how we're going to execute, we'd be in a different uh, trajectory, but you know, we're still here 20 years later yeah, yeah. and uh, we really uh, enjoy what we're doing. So yeah, we're still expanding. We're still growing. Mm. Um, that's our niche. And, you know, through that we've developed retail and, and we've learned that in these towns, like this is how people associate us with mm. apparel. It's, it's not just the custom for mm-hmm. your, groups and businesses and organizations and events, but also being able to come in and, and have an experience with us one off, uh, buying up Michigan shirt or Michigan state shirt or whatever it might be. Um, having an experience with us, developing that, uh, relationship We you know, are we, we say our passion, our purpose is building great relationships. So yeah. however we can do that, it'll eventually hopefully lead to that custom bulk, bulk order. Did you have that building great relationships, um, uh, saying at the start of the business? Uh, we did. It was not as polished. Right. The uh, saying really stemmed from Ryan and I, just like it was like we liked to be known, like we were the T-shirt guys. Mm-hmm. And we would kind of uh, jokingly call it like, uh, like the T-shirt hookup, like everybody's got a, got a hookup, <laughs> right? Oh, I'll, I got this person. I'll, this, this, this person will hook you up. Like I can connect you. Yeah. That was what we would say. We've modified that over the years <laughs> to be something that is a little bit like cleaner and classier, right. which is which is essentially what it means, which is building great relationships, which yeah. is we like to ha- develop those relationships. We do it through apparel because it's something that everybody wants and needs and likes and it's it's fun. And so it it is opened up insight and, and connections into all types of organizations and businesses, mm-hmm. nonprofits. It's where I've learned about. Um, art and become part of an art community in mm. Arbor and where I've learned about nonprofits and boards and um, so b- by virtue of of what the what the thing is that we're involved in it's mm-hmm. it's really been been eye-opening what version of uh, underground printing are you on <laughs> version 100 I don't uh, <laughs> yeah it's a great question we talk uh, I talk a lot about the fact that you know uh, we're an anomaly. The business we started mm. is the business we're in 20 years later. Mm. I don't like to tout that. Um, you know, c- now these days I teach e-commerce entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship at Michigan for the cent- CFE Center for Entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the the expectation is, oh, the well, I'm going to start a business and this is the one I'm going to do. And I and I'm like forthright. This is lucky. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky. This is luck. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, this should have failed, and I should have moved on to two other businesses before I'm doing the one that I did for 10 or 15 years. Mm. So let's put that out there right. and outright. Right. But if I'm actually saying it, I would say, like, we powered through, like, iterations of the business, and, yeah, we're on, like, seven, eight, or nine, or whatever it might be. You could consider those failures, if you will. Hmm. Um, but the reality is, is, like, you know, most likely that's that, that our path is not the usual path where we found the thing that we were able to drive and grow from yeah. age 19 to, you know, 41. I'll age myself now. <laughs> I assume part of the evolution and part of the versions is um, what it takes to operate within Ann Arbor is different to then go to the first additional market. And then going to five additional markets is different than the first. Is that right? That's or is a, it? It's 100% right. And it's, al- it's also, um, uh, it's the bubble. Ann Arbor is a great, yeah. amazing bubble, and until you leave the bubble and realize it's much harder, mm. right? And you think it's be- you think it's just like oh, big football. It's not just big football. Mm. You think it's oh, it's like huge university. It's not just huge university. There's a lot about Ann Arbor mm. that makes it a great place um, for all businesses, but especially a business like us. And then going to other markets, it's not always the same. Um, and so we've learned a lot of lessons around that. You know, we a lot of learned lessons about um, what community is and you know my 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 favorite example is uh as we expanded out in the big 10 and in michigan like i'm from east lansing i'm from okamasat i know michigan state uh we know kalamazoo so we we're like oh we know the big 10 Mm -hmm. i was born in west lafayette like i'm a big 10 kid so when we went to go open up at northwestern this was before we knew we had all the friends that lived in chicago and spent a ton of time there we're like oh you got to open up in evanston it'll be exactly the same well, in hindsight, uh, Evanston took a lot longer to come come into its own because Evanston might as well be in a different country if hmm. you live in if you live in Lincoln Park. Well, uh, like people don't like go to Evanston unless yeah. they have to go to Evanston, yeah. or you live at you know live around Northwestern. And Northwestern's not a big school, yeah. so you know uh, it took a little bit longer to get there. Yeah, uh, and but it's only three miles away. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Mm-hmm. What's the big deal, <laughs> right? So. Um, those are like little lessons learned about how markets differ. And, and we learned a lot of those lessons without mentors or without the experience or a lot of the roadmap. Uh, uh, we just learned it by brute force, which yeah. is not always easy and not always scalable. And I would, don't even know that I'd recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times when you look back on your past, you're like, oh, would you have made the same decisions? You probably no. wouldn't have, but they were the decisions you made. Right. So you Gla- know. Glad I survived that one. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, whenever I hear about assumptions that go into big strategic decisions, um, I was I'm fascinated by it because there are always assumptions that are lurking that we don't know are there until we get into it. But can you talk about your strategic planning process or however you want to take that question? Um, you know, how you, how you make, how you surface big decisions that you need to make and then how you make them. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't, when we started, we didn't have a strategic planning process. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that existed it was let's sell something let's make something let's sell something let's do it again and do it again and let's open up another store yeah Yeah, college campuses work let's do that right right? that was the strategy then and it and inherently it it worked and in again i think in hindsight this is where we got lucky but now i know why you know why Mm -hmm. i think still i'll still put a asterisk think it works for us but in terms of the strategy, like that's something we've only like really been quantifying, qualifying in over the last five to seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
may, maybe five is a you know five to six years right before pre-pandemic, we started making changes, started thinking through that and have, have been working on it since. Hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, this idea, you know, really for us has stemmed from exploring frameworks, you know, really um, glomming on to any information we could get on like how companies go to steal from Jim Collins from good to great. And obviously Jim Collins is, is one of the, one of the gurus of that, but um there are others and we've tried a bunch and some something stuck and then we right. gave up on it and then another thing stuck and then we gave up on it and where we landed on was uh or where we most recently landed on was a system called eos entrepreneur op- entrepreneurial operating system uh by uh created by a guy named gino wickman mm-hmm. and uh you know it's it's for businesses between two and $50 million. And there were just some things about it that really like resonated with us. I think that's mm. really what's like, what, what hits home, mm. what just computes. It's like a method of learning what makes sense. Yeah. And there were uh, aspects of that that when we heard about it really made sense and we started to apply it. Mm. And from there, our strategy really built and grew. Mm. And that is how we kind of landed. And you know, that took us some time because before that we did scaling up, which is a Vern Hardish thing. Mm-hmm. And then, before that, we tried a different thing, mm-hmm. and those, you know, if you're honestly trying things like that, they take a year oh, or two, wow. yeah. and then you realize it's not what you want to do, and mm-hmm. then you move on. So, like, you're talking like four or five. I mean, it took us years to get to the right one, yeah. And then yeah. it's taking us years to get to that point, and now we're still working on it on the next next phase of it. And frameworks are frameworks. You you grow into them, you grow out of them, mm-hmm. you adapt, you go from there. Um, so. Uh, you, 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 you know, it's a bit of a Frankenstein mar- monster to some, some degree. Uh, but, uh, that is what well, was a, really a catalyst is just like, mm-hmm. okay, how do we, how do we, how do we get out of brute forcing, you know, this, this growth yeah. and how yeah. do we go into a more something that's strategic and scalable? Neat. I've experienced that EOS has some limitations and I want to check them out with you and see what you think. Tell me. Um, I think EOS says you should have this one-page sheet that clarifies all that stuff. Um, but the question I usually ask is, of the 12 things that could be the rocks, what's the right um, smart process for picking the three or four that are the right rocks? And, and my experience is that EOS doesn't actually have tools for that. You either have a good leadership team that can struggle with that question or you don't. So it can give you the page, but figuring out what goes on the page, it's, it's light on yeah. What do you uh, think of that? A hundred percent agree. Okay. Uh, that's the area where we're starting to grow out of EOS. Mm-hmm. Um, we're calling it UGPOS, and uh, that's the secret sauce. So yeah, we're we're starting into that now. Mm, um, we've kind of uh, we're keeping aspects of EOS, mm-hmm. um, like the the one pager strategic plan. We actually do really like that. Yeah, yeah. It should be synthesizable. It's mm-hmm. not complex. Here it like lay it out to you. Here it is. Yeah. From there, there's right. some oversimplification slash not, it doesn't exactly tell you how to get there, mm-hmm. just what to do, like what the page should look like. Right. And that's where we're really kind of growing into that right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, uh, those kind of things are really exciting for us because um, when it comes to a, a standpoint of like, it, you can talk about company, what's company culture all you want, uh, but can you like this like developing that is the company culture Mm -hmm. and that's really hard to do and it changes Mm -hmm. like every two or three years and so like if you're good at it or you think you have it you don't have it three years later and then there's a global pandemic and then major banks fail and (laughs) where are you at now so like i mean 
is very humbling, yes. you know, because you, you never, it's not organic chemistry or math where the laws and the principles don't change yeah. Yeah. Uh, of the basics and the bedrock. The right. bedrock is moving, you know, the, yeah. the, the building blocks are moving. And just when you think you got something figured out, then it's like, oh, look at this revolutionary new yeah. thing. Look at chat GPT, look at, you know, whatever it might be. Right. And it's like, how is this going to change everything that I know? in a year. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the pandemic journey for you like? Uh, it was difficult. It was actually, um, I've been reflecting on it, uh, not to date when this podcast is going on, but we just came off of the, uh, the uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, ordeal that, uh, that happened last weekend. Seems like a lifetime ago yeah. at this juncture. Um, and the pandemic, uh, you know, what was what the t what tech startups felt was like what we a lot of the like, main street businesses felt during the pandemic mm. where it was like oh wow all overnight we're gonna ha not have the you know the things we were banking on yeah. how are we going to proceed yeah. and you know uh you know so i was like i was re reliving that to some degree i hadn't made that connection but that's very interesting so yeah. Um, I was reliving it through family and friends mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, emails and tweets and stories wow. and articles that were very similar to what we were experiencing three years ago. But then it was like it was us that was really dealing with it. So yeah. I, uh, you know, that it was, it was definitely obviously it was, you know, personally, emotionally tough, tough, yeah, you know, for all of us at home, kids, work. I, uh, the whole thing was tough and as we you know even as we distance ourselves like it was it, uh, this last weekend was super uh it, it, you know from a from a level set of like hey you know like things like this happen and your ability be your ability to you know roll with the punches right. is your ability to succeed right like it's all the grind it's never easy and uh, you got to embrace it did you have to morph your business model or your operations or for the pandemic there were things we morphed there were things we morphed and then uh we i wish we'd morphed back you yeah. know and there were things that we re recommitted ourselves to which yeah. was our commitment to um like expanding through locations and communities um and not to just mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. to be a strict e-commerce company mm -hmm. Um, that's just core to who we are. It's not even to say like we're the t-shirt company with the most locations or the, or the coolest location, right. or whatever. It's just like, that's just like core to what we did. It was like from day one, mm -hmm. you can walk down South university in Ann Arbor and you can walk by store number one, which if you walk by it today, you won't recognize it because it is an ATM vestibule yeah. with two ATMs in it. That was our first location. Wow. And our current location is just a door down from it and much nicer yeah. but uh yeah. that that was it that was day one that was i was you know in my early 20s that was that was we just thought stores were cool it yeah. was always around that it wasn't a growth channel customer acquisition strategy it mm -hmm. was just who we were mm -hmm. so the pandemic changed that obviously right it it turned stores into something you couldn't do mm -hmm. Uh, and then it's like, oh, well, we'll be this other company. And I think it just turned us, it like showed us that like, no, this is actually who we are. Hmm. Right. So, yeah. um, that does not, not to mean we don't do business online and we don't have to have strong e-commerce. Like it's all together. Uh, I, I, I jokingly, cause I teach e-commerce entrepreneurship. Hmm. I think I want to change the title of it to commerce entrepreneurship because yeah. there's no such like name a company that's not an e-commerce company yeah. at this juncture, yeah. even companies that were that weren't grocery stores whatever they all everybody's selling online now it's like there's no difference right. between that right. so um 
I don't I don't believe in like strictly e-commerce. It's just another mm-hmm. channel these mm-hmm. days. What uh, what's your leadership team like? Um, we have so we we follow a lot of the processes still of EOS. So we have a four person executive team, mm. um, and then we have a leadership team of um, uh, managers around that. Uh, and that that's our obviously the exec teams in the leadership team and that's our that's our kind of management team mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and we're you know constantly uh, learning and iterating and um, you know uh, applying new tools and mm-hmm. yeah it's it's um, it's fun it's it's the process for sure you know trust the process as, as they say yeah, nice how much work do you do on the dynamics of the leadership team itself distinct from the actual work that you have to do on strategy and management and all that? Uh, it, it, we're, we're doing a lot more work on it these days. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it, I don't think that was always a focal point. Um, you know, I, when your team's smaller and you're all together, you know, it's a lot easier to kind of just like that just kind of happens. And then as mm-hmm. your team gets bigger, as your company gets bigger, it, you have to really put it into the, into the forefront. So mm. it's not easy. I'm, you know, it's not like I, I know it inside it out and it's my, you know, like my forte. I'm learning it just like mm. everybody's learning. Um, but it is definitely more of a focal point than it, uh, than it ever has been. Yeah. It's part of that, you know, strategic plan, that one pager. Yeah. And it's, we're mindful of it um, and, and trying to continue to grow it and spending time on mm. it, which is not easy because it's not, it's the work on the business, mm-hmm. not in the business mm-hmm. and, it's hard to it's hard to separate the two. Yeah, yeah. Especially for entrepreneurs, who are uh, like maybe most comfortable in the s- messy startup phase. Mm-hmm. We're comfortable. Uh, I tend to be more comfortable in the bootstrap grind, right. like you know, in it phase, not the on it, patient, slow, go slow to go fast phase. Is was work for me. Yeah, like yeah. it, you know. It's easier to problem solve than to not problem solve, which is funny, right? right. It's way easier to just jump in and problem solve, and for me, yeah, and yeah. versus not to step back and let it sit, because because that you because you don't survive that way when you start up. So part of what you've been learning is wh- when to use the different modes of leadership. Hundred yeah. percent, yeah. Hmm. Um, and again, I mean, there's there's lots of different modes, and you know, I'm I'm learning. Uh, and relearning. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. different now than it was 10, 15 years ago. And yeah, so it, it's, it's definitely a, it's a focal point now more than it ever has been before. And, um, and it, you know, it's a big driver for, you know, I think it'll be, a f- uh, our success and that will be our success as we grow. Hmm. Do you have any, um, things that you've learned about how to get the best out of people? Anything that I've learned about how to get the best out of people? Um, I, uh, I'm a, a, a subscriber to servant leadership. I mean, I think that, um, uh, I think that a lot, a lot of companies that started in Ann Arbor, I think we're like, I consider myself like a disciple of Ari and Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> yeah. disciples of Ari. That'd be a great band. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, there was just a, like growing up even, or like a start, there was a sense of pride. Mm. Um, you know, the, I don't read a ton of business books. I'll be completely transparent. I yeah. like I like social media. My attention span is, is, nice. is I like podcasts <laughs> and social media. I like the Founders podcast because it's it's uh, sums up the business book I was right. supposed to have read. <laughs> um, but my favorite one was Small Giants by Bo Burlingame. Yeah. And of course, I was then I was like stumbled onto the fact that that's like you know Zingerman's is right in there. Right. 
and that's when I became my like my fandom of Zingerman's and uh, and so like yeah I think a lot of the, some of the, a lot of the principles that uh, came from Ari and Paul and their ability to synthesize what made them them I've like we mm-hmm. really tried to um, borrow from or, or, or make our own right and so mm-hmm. servant leadership is definitely one of them and some degree that's that like um, that's a difficult one because I like to get in there but then also I get in there right right uh, and so you know if I would say getting the best out of people is like I'm not even saying I'm I know how to do this yet mm-hmm. but I'm saying that I think it's the ability to process servant leadership hmm. but but not be a crutch. How do you do both? Yeah. Right? How do you be yeah. how do you do by, you know, by modeling but then also not be the one that like answers the question, right? Yeah. Um and uh yeah, that's Sounds that's my that's my current uh that's that's currently <laughs> uh something that I'm working on, so. Um yeah, I have a question of uh, you know, what's the hardest part about being a leader? And I don't know if you just answered that or if there's a if there's a different dimension that's hard for you uh i I think it's um i i think that it is leadership is not management management is not entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and leadership is not entrepreneurship yeah so they're all different yeah they're all different skill sets and again they all change every two or three years because people change and the world changes every two or three years i think that people that are great uh managers and leaders uh, in person are not necessarily great virtually I think mm. there are people that are great managers mm. and leaders virtually that are not as good in person. Mm. That's new dynamic yeah. from the last three years. The, the, the skill sets and how you how you organize your time and what you enjoy, they're different now. And that was not a thing that we took into account until three years ago. So yeah. tell me the world hasn't changed. You know, it yeah. has changed. So for us to be like, okay, everything, like what I did before will work, is I don't think, I, I think is it's a difficult statement to make. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, how's your relationship with conflict? Uh, it's a, it's a love hate relationship. <laughs> that's a great, that's, <laughs> where's the, all right, we can nice. insert the <laughs> right there. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, uh, it's part of, uh, it's actually interesting to say that because, you know, we're, we're currently we spend a lot of time on Lencioni's triangle. Mm. Um, and so, you know, uh, trust leads into conflict, right? So it's the it's after trust, it's the it's the next and most important thing. Uh, sitting in your conflict is difficult, you know. But uh, it's so, you know. Jo- all jokes aside, it is a love hate uh, relationship because that's not my favorite place to be in. Mm-hmm. I I think historically, growing up, I would just like avoid it, mm-hmm. right? I'd prefer to uh, like just just get the work done and avoid it. Um, but of course, that's where comfort you know, for feedback and, and getting better lives. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all ideas on the table is yeah. that is like with, uh, without conflict, all ideas are not on the table is yeah. the idea. So if you truly want all ideas on the table, then you have to live in conflict. And mm. that, uh, that is difficult. Is that something that you all as a leadership team are working on consciously at all? You're, yes. That's the, 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 the triangle you're talking about is the five dysfunctions of a team. Correct. Lencioni, that's yeah. correct. Lencioni. So that's, that's a, that's kind of one of the frameworks that you've brought into yes, the yes, team. Yeah. To, it's part of, it's like part of the EOS framework, kind of not part okay. of the ES framework. Yeah. yeah. No. So this is, this is where you're starting to f- Frankenstein monsters, yes. you know, different principles together. Mm-hmm. And interestingly f- with five dysfunctions of team, I read the book in a prior framework. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, we'd gone through the exercise in a prior Right. lifetime at this point I might as well just say a prior lifetime yeah and it didn't hit like yeah. it like it currently hits 
which is interesting. So it's like, it's not it, like business, like everything. Timing is very important. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready to hear what you need to hear, mm-hmm. ready to learn what you need to learn. Yeah. So just being exposed to it isn't enough. Yeah. Um, it doesn't automatically, you know, sink in. So yeah. uh, that's difficult because we definitely live in a world where it's like, uh, you know, five year plan is a thing, right? Yeah. It's like, um, my fa- the thing that I really tr- try to preach now is, you know, if you're going to start a business, are you ready to be in it for 10 or 15 years? Mm. Cause I don't know that that's what people want. Uh, a lot of, a lot of students are like, Oh, I'm going to exit right. in five years, but it's like, no, you're going to want to, if you don't want to grind it out for 10 or 15, 20 years, because the reality is, is like, you might need that time, right. uh, man, it, I don't, think you can just be good at management and be good at leadership. It's learned and it's experiential and it takes a lot of practice. So you're teaching at the university. What's the, what are the biggest gaps or what's the biggest gap between where the students are and where reality is? Um, I spend, I don't know. I wouldn't call them gaps. Mm. I don't think it's, I don't think it's gaps per se. Mm. Um, it's not like I, I talk to someone, I'm like, wow, that student has no idea what reality right. is about. So it, I wouldn't classify it as gap. What I would say that I spend time talking about a, a few different things. Number one is um, I, I spend my time talking about the side hustle, the side gig, just mm-hmm. doing and not the focal point on like the neck being the next unicorn. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a, like a bright eyed student who's like ready to take on the world, that may not be exactly what they want to hear, but that's the, that's the thing they're going to hear from me. Yeah. Um, so I talk about that quite a bit and like, you know, three, like three principles of a side hustle and things Mm. like that Mm. and try to tie that back in. So when I talk about e-commerce entrepreneurship, I don't, I don't say it in the like, oh, this is the thing I say e-commerce is entrepreneurship is one of the best ways to explore a side hustle, um, easily maintained, uh, you know, easy path to profitability or at Mm. least known path to profitability and, um, and uh, something you don't have to explain. So, like, these are things mm-hmm. that um, are, are key components of a side hustle. Hmm. Um, so that's one. Uh, I like to tie in a lot uh, to um, how to communicate uh, hmm. in the real world. Hmm. You know, just uh, even, like, how to write emails, yeah. how to respond uh how emails are read because I think as a student you use email like text or use email as like a forced form of communication and then in the real world we all heavily rely on email and that's our introduction to people and our belief on what they sound like what their tone is like we're all yelling over email right so you have to you have to force yourself to not sound like you're yelling Mm so um that's that's one. I, that's not, again not a gap, but I think it's an area that I'm like, okay, that's something that maybe you won't have heard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in you know, again, I think it's uh, a lot for me is like real world examples. The other thing I I like to say or I, I realize is everything I'm saying is in one ear out the other. I'm just hoping like a mm-hmm. few things stick that when they actually have to do it, they'll go back and look up some yeah. slides or look up some things. Interesting. That's my, that's my reality. And wow. I'm like, I embrace it. Right. It's like, that's, that's the real world. <laughs> Cause I mean, that's what it was like for me. Yeah. The, the five dysfunctions of a team didn't stick for me right. seven years ago, right. you know? So what am I going to say to these kids? Does any of that carry over to the people inside your company? Uh, you know, the management team that you're working with or anything like that? Um, I'd uh, carry inside, you know, I'm not sure what I would say is that who I am or who we are is the same, whether it's my teaching class or, or mm-hmm. in the company. 
we have core values. My core values for the class are the same. Mm-hmm. I kind of come from a lens that core values stem from the like the leaders in the company. It's not a function of like the differences in the in different businesses. So it's like if I have core values right. that I believe in around right. the people that are around me, how's that different? So like that's like a alignment, right? Yeah. Uh, my spiel and my feeling about digital communication. Mm is a is a, like a talk i have mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like a pitch in that i have and i give it internally and externally okay. right so yeah. um these kind of like uh, you know these over the years these like talks that i've put together and i do you know every now and now and again are all developed within the kind of the world of underground so mm-hmm. i mean it's like a big part of who i am and where i came from and where i've learned everything so uh, it's hard it, it it's not like oh it's like it's just like part of the ecosystem of me yeah yeah what are the big buckets where you're spending your time in the company? Um, a lot of organization, uh, a lot of sales right now. Huh. Um, a lot of like uh, sales due to necessity of like creation of different areas and different verticals. Um, and uh, growth. Does that mean new? New, new, new sales, uh-huh. yeah, for sure. And then uh, new, high, new like large, large client sales, things like that. Um, and then, um, his, uh, you know, as a, you know, aside like historically my partner and i've like split up responsibilities like uh we talk about like a restaurant front of house back of Mm -hmm, house mm -hmm. so uh i was front of house so i was like customer facing sales marketing etc so um that's still where my focal point is these days and so marketing has been a, a focal point uh, store revamp back into stores, uh, and then, um, and then general sales as well. So, yeah. um, I am really, uh, you know, uh, r- really lucky to have great team members. We re- I mean, that's what we call them team members. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause it's truly like a team. Yeah. Yeah. A partnership for 20 years is probably unique, or not unique, but uh, unusual. Unusual, um, yeah. I would say unique. So uh, so I'm trying to figure out the question. Um, you know, what, what more can you tell us about ha- having a partner like that, being a long-term partner? Yeah. All that? You know, I was... Um, it's actually kind of interesting. I'm, I'm kind of piecing this together as you ask me because I've said variations of this, but the, the keys to Lencioni's triangle... They all, they always just existed with me and Ryan mm. uh, because there's no like hang out all the time or like, you know, always, always spend all your time together. And, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, life takes you in different paths, you know, uh, as you probably know, like who your how old your kids are and who they hang out with right. defines who you hang out with right. a lot of the time for a lot of your adulthood years, you know, like there's a lot that comes from that. Right. Um, but, you know, if I were going to boil it down to me, like Ryan and I grew up together. And so like there is an inherent level of trust hmm. where, you know, no matter what, whether we agree with like the conflict is there. So all ideas are on the table and but because we have trust, we're, we're okay with the conflict. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. That leads to the commitment and the accountability. Like it's nice to have someone to hold you accountable and then you lead into the results. Oh. So I say that now, in front of you, but I've never said that before. Yeah, and, but, I, but it's kind of interesting right. this, to say that in this way, which is I've talked about trust. Like at the end of the day, when people are like, oh, how do I find a co-founder? Like students talk to me about this all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, like how do I find a, how do you do it? How do you find a co-founder? I was like, well, I grew up with mine. Right, right. So like, oh, so it has to be a friend. I was like, actually, no. Oh. <laughs> but that's, that's luck. That's, yeah. that's 
happenstance. Yeah. It's experience that developed into trust. And so it's like, how do you find a co-founder? Go be a part of things. Mm-hmm. Go be a part of clubs and mm-hmm. entrepreneurship clubs or like-minded people. So you develop relationships and build trust. Because if you just do it off of skills, yin and yang of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to find a technical co-founder. Oh, you can code. Let's be co-founders. Right. That doesn't. That's not actually the building blocks of long-term success. It's yeah. the trust piece. And so... Uh, you have to be involved in things to develop trust. And yeah, yes, can you yeah. do it by like uh, finding a founder on Craigslist? Sure, you can do that. But you can also win the lottery. Right. You know, like that right. happens too. Someone wins the lottery in every state every time they do that, right? Yeah. Someone does it. Yeah. We don't we don't bank our life on it. <laughs> and the reason is, is because it's luck. Yeah. So those are the stories that you hear about. And yeah. it's easier to think that, look, I can just put an ad out there and find it versus like, I'm gonna have to meet a thousand people and spend time with, a hundred people right. to find someone that I trust enough to get to this point and have to have experiences with them. That's way yeah, harder. Yeah. So the friendship thing, yes, it's there, but you, we all have friends that we love, but don't trust. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so like, that's okay. Yeah. Like you might not, you might be, it might be fun to hang out and you might have a great time and, and, you know, be around them is, is awesome, but you might not trust them. So I think there, I think that's really important. It's, and it's the base level of Lencioni's triangle as well. Yeah. I would think that the stability and, uh, dynamism of your partnership, um, really helped the business over a couple of decades to, as, as what, uh, a, a gyroscope that keeps it centered or something like that. Yeah, uh, that's a that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, I think consistency is super helpful. Like, mm-hmm. You know, like that longevity is super helpful. Obviously, mm-hmm. turnover and change can be helpful too, right? right. Um, you know, there are always ups and downs and ins and outs. And, you know, that's 100% there for sure. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're definitely, we're not the same person. We're different people, like different things, uh, different personalities. Um uh, that's okay. That's good. That's okay. And there yeah. is a, there was a yin and yang. And, and you know, it's in early years, if people ask me, you know, like, what, you know, like, why do you work? I'm like, oh, well, I, I like this and he likes that, or mm. he's good at this and I'm good at that. And now I don't even talk about front of Like, I only mm, like yeah. say that when we talk about who, how do you divide up responsibilities? Mm. I don't even say that. It's like, oh, it's the trust factor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's the thing. So it's kind of funny over years how that's like, that's changed as like, yeah, what's the, cool. what's the dynamic, so to speak. Uh, there's lots more questions I'd love to ask, but I think uh, in the interest of time, um, is, is there anything we didn't talk about that you are interested in, that you're working on, that just, it, you know, it, any, anything more that would be interesting to talk about that's in, inside of you? Yeah, I um no, I mean, I, uh, it, <laughs> I'm a little bit of an open book. Like whatever I'm thinking about or working on, <laughs> it surfaces into whatever conversation <laughs> we're talking about, you know, like the, like uh, weird how it turns out like that. So it's, it's not so much that it's like, oh, well, we didn't talk about this one thing. Right. Um, I think uh, one thing that's interesting is like, as I like, you know, I've invested in companies and founded other companies and like, I'm an, I le- I'm an entrepreneur. I like entrepreneurship. Um, you know, that takes time. Mm. And, uh, one thing that has been kind of cool for me is, uh, whatever it, whatever itch that like was like scratch satisfied by like, you know, more and more companies, I've like found a new, like 
a solution for that, which is teaching. So which is kind of cool. It's like that itch is now like, that's how how I'm scratching that itch, which is like, I don't have to start the company myself or rest the company myself. It's like, I have all these students and and we love like hashing it out, you know, after class and, um, talking, you know, talking through ideas and stuff like that. And that's, that's really cool. I didn't know that that's not why I did it in the first place. It's not, it's not what I thought. Um, but that has been a really cool, uh, byproduct. So, um, that has kind of set a new tone and set a new place for me is like, like what entrepreneurship is even is, you know? So that's kind of cool. Um, so are you coming up with new ideas for new classes? No, Uh, no, uh, not, no, not, not currently. That's, that's, I don't have the time for that, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, and you know, I think, uh, in, in the world of entrepreneurship, uh, I think the CFE and Zeller and, and, and the whole ecosystem does it really well, which is like, it's it's exposure to a lot of people. You don't want one person teaching all your stuff. You need a lot of people. You need one person teaching every single thing you're learning. Um, because it's experience. And so like it's my experience oozes into everything I'm doing, mm-hmm. everything I'm teaching, right? So, um, and again, I actually think I'm lecturing more than anything, okay. you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, t- well, technically my title, it's it's like how well I can just like uh, to talk about things that I've, experiences that I've had and, and can, do they resonate? And like all things, it only resonates if you're ready for it to resonate, yeah. which is why I go back to the fact that like if you're, if it's not resonating with you now, it's fine. Right. Right. Hopefully someday you'll go back and look back on it and yeah. think about it. Maybe. And I have like a perfect, like a, this, like this kind of like fr- uh, framework that I've developed that didn't resonate at the time and only resonated years later. And it was like all stemmed around my old, uh, my high school tennis coach who was mm. also, uh, the, uh, O-line coach for the football team. Mm. And he was also, uh, the, uh, physics teacher. Wow. And so, you know, I, I knew him really well. Uh, I always knew him as Mr. Powers, the tennis coach, um, but he was also um, this uh, physics teacher, and he would always teach three ways to solve a f- physics problem. Mm-hmm. The way to get an A, the way to get a B, and the way to get a C. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, why do you need to learn any other way other than how to get an A? Yeah. Uh, so he, you know, the A was sl- the slowest way, the C was like if you had had no time left yeah. and the B was like in between. And so we called it the fast B and, uh, years later I turned this into like, it's like, uh, as a, as a, like uh, my kind of way to explain what other people would say is like failing fast or yeah. whatever, yeah. or like how to yeah. get there or just a, a good is the opposite of done or yeah. what, you know, things like that. Um, and, um, uh, you know, so you know, I developed like a whole talk on it and it was like years later, I was like, Oh, this, thing i had to go back and look up the physics concept <laughs> i don't even understand the physics behind it anymore yeah. but this this way he thought about things yeah. and just clearly presented where you're going to end up and being okay with where you're right. going to end up right all of a sudden was like super impactful for me wow. 20 plus years later yeah. yeah um and so you think about that i was like it did not hit me i didn't come out of that being like i get it yeah yeah <laughs> And it was only years later that I figured it out. Oh, my God. I love that. All right. Then to finish us up, um, what are you excited about for the next year? It can be you personally, you for the business, you for society, whatever you want, for the next year, and then for the next far, five years, ten years, however you define that. Uh, 
what am I excited about? I'm I'm really horrible about these questions. Yeah, I'm I'm really like, what am I like? What am I doing today or tomorrow? Uh, I have two boys and uh, they're in in elementary school and like I'm excited for like all the things they're they're gonna get into and yeah. are getting into, um, and uh, uh, my my wife is a professor at Michigan and she's doing a lot of cool stuff uh mm. she's very she's very much a rock star in the in the world of biological chemistry wow. so um you know uh, that's that's fun uh that's fun to be around you know as yeah. a former science person myself and um so those things are those things are cool how much exchange is there between your personal family life and your work in in your skills or your lessons or anything like that i mean it's all intertwined okay. i think i, I i've you know when, when it's like I don't have like a space that's compartmentalized. Uh -huh. It's like that's who I am is who I am. It's always been that way. Um, and so it's, you know, it's how I grew up too. And so it's like, uh, you know, work-life balance is work and life happening all at the same time for yeah. me. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it's very much how it started. And, you know, a lot of my relationships came from t-shirts. So my wife and I met through t-shirts. Yeah. Um, there are, uh, two, you know, we like joke around, there's basically two UGP customer marriages. I'm one of them. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and we're still good friends with the other couple, you know, that, uh, so like it's, there's a lot of history that comes with that, which is like, mm -hmm. we're really excited about, really proud of. So, um, there's, it's not really a question of, of, uh, balance, uh, for me, it's, um, it's just, um, uh, you know, enjoyment life short. So it's like, can you, it's like peace of mind. <laughs> How nice. do you get the most peace of mind as, as much as you can? Yeah. Um, if people want to learn more about, uh, UGP or about, or if they want to follow you, connect with you, whatever. Yeah. I'm on all the, uh, <laughs> I'm on all the <laughs> socials, if you will. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't partake in social. I, I, I'm a consumer and not a, uh, uh, someone who puts, puts a lot of content out. Maybe yeah. that'll change what it is, but, uh, you can learn about underground printing at undergroundshirts.com. Okay. If you're so inclined, if you go to rishinarayan.com, you can see my, a couple things I have, like nice. my, uh, my fast B talk, which is a TEDx, right. uh, TEDx talk and, um, a couple other, a couple other things there. Um, Perfect. Yeah, or just uh, reach out. Nice. All right. Well, that's Rishi Narayan of Underground Printing. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Spark That Grow, a podcast series brought to you by Ann Arbor Spark. To learn more about Spark, visit annarborusa.org. And thank you to the Ann Arbor District Library as our recording partner. You can learn more about their resources at aadl.org.